Have you ever wondered what librarians really do all day? Why does a person choose to become a librarian? Learn the answers to these questions and more on Library Life. My name is Lisa. I'm a youth librarian at the Westerville Public Library. We'll go behind the scenes and talk to librarians to see what they do to make all of that library magic happen. I'm your guide through the looking glass. So close your eyes, open your ears, and listen. Hi everyone, this is Lisa, one of your librarians here at the Westerville Public Library. Welcome back to Library Life Season 2! Today we are going to have the first part of a little series called The Life of a Book. I've got two guests with me today, Belinda and Becky. If you would both introduce yourself and tell everyone kind of what you do at the library. Sure, I'm Belinda and I'm the Collection Development Manager here at the Westerville Public Library. And I've been with the library over 20 years. I started up in adult services, spent some years there, and then moved over to local history, spent some years there. And I've been in collection development 11 years. That's amazing. 20 years. That's a career. Man, that's amazing. And Becky? Hi. Yeah, my name is Becky. I am the Collection Development Librarian and my role is similar to Belinda's, but I focus on youth materials and selecting the print books and audiobooks and ebooks and e-audio, as well as more unusual things that we circulate like kits and puzzles. And I also oversee the music CD collection and the art print collection, which is framed artwork that can check out like a book. I, too, have been at the library for quite a long time. I did a couple years as a page, a couple years in circulation couple years in youth part-time, about 10 years in youth as a teen librarian, and then just a few years ago moved into collection development. So how long have you total been working in the library? About 20 years. I hope I get there. <laughs> All right, so let's dive right into the life of a book. So you both are in charge of bringing materials into the library. How do you decide what books and other materials to get purchase? First thing that I look for are reviews. We have a, uh, a number of review sources that publish reviews by people that have knowledge, whether it's a nonfiction, then it would be a subject area, or new authors, they review those books. And that's our one of our first clues about what might be coming. A lot of times with books, print, it could be the publishing cycle can be over a year just once they've decided to publish a book. So when we start to see those reviews, we uh, immediately try to evaluate them and add them to our catalog to help people know that stuff is coming down the road. If you're talking about movies and DVDs, it's a much shorter time period, and they have a different kind of review sources. It's much more based on popularity or series or uh, box office hits. And uh, that's just two formats bit of difference. Um, Becky can talk a little bit more about youth materials. They are a little bit different animal than the adult print materials. Yeah, definitely the professional review journals are a good starting point, and there are youth-specific ones of those, such as School Library Journal and Hornbook. There's a lot out there online these days, of course. I have a zillion email newsletters, blogs that I follow, social media accounts that I follow, and that helps get also, a lot more of your smaller or more indie books onto the radar that may not get reviewed professionally. I'll chime in there and say I follow a knitter from uh, Nova Scotia. I follow uh, book publishers in uh, 
United Kingdom. They don't get review sources. I follow Longwood, along Innisfoods Garden here locally. They have a book club, so I track them. And the Columbus Dispatch. So any way we can find out about just about any person who's publishing or releasing something, we're trying to find out about it. That's awesome. And I know that the library, too, has the just a purchase on our website. So that way, you know, if somebody comes across something that they think would be a good fit for the library, they can suggest it. And you folks review it and, you know, do your magic <laughs> and decide, you know, is this something that's going to be a greater fit or not? Yeah. Yeah, and I will say just over a day, we can end up having uh, a half a dozen or a dozen suggestions come in. We respond to those within 24 hours. All of the collection development staff sees those. So if someone is out, someone else will pick it up and respond to it. So we do try to get those items. And if we can't get them new, we will see if another partner library has it and get it that way. So we're not just only purchasing it. We, we consider ourselves a reference library and also in helping customers find things that maybe we can't purchase for some reason. I would add, I would add on to that too, just that in addition to the patron suggestions, staff suggestions, are a big part of what I look at because Lisa, as you know, I interact with the youth staff quite a quite a lot because you guys are the ones actually talking to the kids and parents and pulling books off the shelf, thinking, "Oh no, this one is getting shabby," or "This one doesn't have the latest book in the series." So as much of a team effort as it can be, I think makes the collection a lot better. So other youth staff, other library staff, as well as those suggestion forms that come in from patrons are all a big influence. And I would agree. Yes, and there's a lot of uh, materials, books and, and other things out there that it would be pretty much impossible for you to know everything. Yeah, and kind of to jump on that, how do you know what new books are coming out? So what actual, you go to publishers' websites? Um, I know you talked about blogs and things like that. Is there anything specific you look for just for new titles? So I will look for stuff. Uh, there's a pre-pub alert that we get I get from one source, and that usually is six months out to when they're actually going to release. I use that as a source. And then you have the authors that are just always hot, like a James Patterson. He releases every month, and so we know to be looking for that. And we have customers who notify us nine months out because they're following an author and they get their emails. We'll take a review, any source that will give us the information, and if it's valid, if it has an ISBN number, we will put it into our system and create an order record. We won't actually order that item until, uh, if it's a book, 30 days prior to release date. And that just makes it possible for us to see how popular it is with the customer to try to buy the right number of copies, but then also to get it to our wholesaler so that we get it on or very close to release date because we all like to have that book as soon as it comes out. <laughs> Yes. And in whatever format, you know, we, we order that title in multiple formats when appropriate. Okay. So when you order something, maybe not a new book, but it just anything, how long does it normally take from the time you order it for it to actually arrive at the library? So it depends on the source. If it's coming from our print wholesaler, it takes 10 to 14 days because they do some processing for us. If we order it from a source that doesn't do any processing, we might get it in three days and get it processed. 
outside of the COVID-19 experience that we have right now. Right, uh, right now it's, a, it's a, a different game and it is taking us longer to receive materials just because the whole publishing chain is slow because of all of the issues that come with the COVID-19. Right. I mean, just warehouses, the, the actual places that make the books, there's, they have, you know, just like everyone else, they have to social distance and they have to probably print. I mean, at least I know here in Ohio, some of the factories and stuff that maybe not make books, but make other things are now making PPE. So, you know, they're off the rotation of making other stuff. Anything else either one of you want to share about how materials decide what to bring or how things get to the library? I think in addition to knowing that a title exists, like through a review source, then there's deciding, is this a good thing for our library? And as Belinda alluded to with kids books, that's a little bit different because we've all kind of discovered that kids like things that are present right then when they want them and something they can take away in their hand, as opposed to adults where who are you know, maybe a little more willing to say, okay, I'll put that on reserve or okay, I'll get that from another library and wait a couple of days. So kids books, I'm often looking at extra copies and how, how many copies and should it be hardcover or paperback, the cost versus the durability of those. Sometimes it's a lot more worthwhile to get the hardcover because I won't have to replace it as quickly. Other times the paperback has such a nice new updated cover of an older title or of a title has been adapted into a TV show or a movie that the paperback is definitely the one that's going to have the appeal. And kids also like to read their way through a series and not find a missing volume. So we try to keep all the series that we have as complete as possible. I think that's true for every reader. But again, adults are a little more willing to say, oh, shoot, well, since that one's not in, I'll, I'll put a reserve on it. Whereas we try to have it available for the kids as much as possible. Yeah, there is definitely a difference, and Becky has made it very clear. The other thing we've not touched on at all is our ebooks and the audiobooks, yeah. which also falls to both Becky and myself. And that is another format, and we treat it just like we would an audiobook. We try to buy those as they become available. A lot of times they're available simultaneously, but that's another place that we have to go to to find those titles. And not every title, depending on the publisher, has it immediately available. Sometimes there's a lag, but we treat the holds just like we do the holds. So we buy more copies on ebooks and e audiobooks that we can just like we do with the physical. Since COVID, have you been purchasing a lot more ebooks and e audiobooks? We making the effort, yes, to go and purchase them as soon as they release. And we also have seen an increased demand and we're buying additional copies, at least in adult. I can't speak with Becky and how, what she's experiencing, but on the adult side, yes, there is a much greater demand for ebooks and e-audiobooks. Yeah, I would agree. There's been a lot more suggestions and holds on the ebooks and a lot more questions via email. Belinda mentioned that we, we do essentially work as reference librarians at times. And I think a lot of my email reference has been around ebooks with teachers and, and school media specialists and what they're looking at as far as students in the COVID times that we're in. And also, I've been able to get more ebooks directly to support the youth programming. So, I mean, Lisa, you know that you've sent some lists and some suggestions of these are ones I'm going to be book talking in my online videos, or these are going to be part of one of our, our STEM online programs. 
And that way, when people are aware of those through that, they can check out the ebook right away. There was a time when they couldn't even reserve the physical book because that library service was closed. But the ebook was ebooks are kind of magic right now because they're they're available from any physical standpoint. So there's definitely I would say I've been doing a lot more attention to ebooks, not just what's coming out, but what's responding to changing demands. And we have those of you listening that may or may not know this, but we have Hoopla, Cloud Library, and Overdrive. So three services that offer ebooks and e-audiobooks, which I think is pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I will say the only other hiccup that happens with ebooks and e-audiobooks is unlike a physical book that we can own forever, as long as it is in good condition, ebooks and e-audiobooks, sometimes we lose what's called the rights. So it might be that you looked at it one day and you saw it available to check out and the next day you go in and it's not there. We have to purchase it again. So that makes it a little bit frustrating for our customer, but it also makes it a little bit frustrating for us because that means we aren't always aware when a title has ceased for us to be available to have our customers have access to it. Yeah, that would be very difficult to keep track of. I actually didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Now, does that purchasing cycle, does that differ per platform? It varies from platform, but even more than that, it varies by the publisher. So one publisher may allow us to buy it for, to have it forever. And another publisher may say you can have it for 52 checkouts or 52 weeks or 24 months, or it really varies. Each of them's different. It's not uniform. And there's no great system that makes it easiest for us to keep track of it. Yeah, it's very slippery because you're not purchasing a thing. You're purchasing a license to use that thing. And license terms can change Mm -hmm. all the time. And they do change all the time, especially from publisher to publisher. So depending on who published that book, it may have an expiration date after a certain time or after a certain number of checkouts. And then you have to repurchase it, which is a big difference from a physical book, which will last as long as it physically lasts. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to add another wrinkle to it, if a if an author moves from one publishing house to another publishing house, it could be the same series, but they've moved. And the first books in the series are available under one kind of checkout or time period. And the next one in the series are under a different one that makes it very hard for the customer to understand. And I've had that experience. And with authors moving to different publishing houses, it is a can of worms that just keeps exploding. Get on the same page, folks. (laughs) Yeah. We'll see what happens because, you know, I feel like at this point, a random house is purchasing all the (laughs) the publishers. I just read that they purchased Simon & Schuster. Yes, they did. It'll be very interesting to see how that all sorts out. Yeah, that's another another conglomeration. You had shared a chart once of like kind of the main publishers and all of the small publishers that they own, and I thought that was super interesting because they're <laughs> they're really only you know a handful of big publisher companies, and then they branch out into smaller sources, specialize in whatever they do. Yeah, it, each of those small publishing houses under the big umbrella have some focus, and that makes the large publisher be able to serve multiple interests, but for the customer, they don't realize that it's under that big umbrella. Yeah. I even learned some things that I 
that surprise me sometimes, especially with Penguin, which is the biggest and is now even bigger. I'm thinking, oh, I never knew that one was a Penguin imprint. So it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. When Penguin Random House there was purchased by Random House several years ago, and they're like one big. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Happy family. All right. Anything else either one of you want to touch on or share? I can't think of anything. I hope that staff, if they have questions from us after they listen, that they won't hesitate to send us an email or come to the lower level, the basement, and see what happens down here. We're always, the door's always open when we get back to times beyond COVID-19 where we can share space. So I hope that they will do that or at least send us an email when they have questions. Yeah, it's definitely more of a team effort than than it might look. And I like that this is going to be a series about the life of a book because our piece is just one small piece. And even our piece is a team effort because of all the suggestions and, and different sources and stuff that we can look at. Well, great. Well, thank you both for sharing. I've I've learned things even just listening in this short amount of time. So great. <laughs> we end every episode of Library Life with book recommendations. So I would like you both to share. Did you enjoy? But Belinda, how about you go first? Sure. The uh, I don't read a lot of fiction, but the fiction that I read that I do read, which is published once a year, is All the Devils Are Here by Louise Penny, and then it's a uh, a mystery series it takes place usually in Canada. This one actually took place in Paris. It's the 16th book in the series, Chief Inspector Gamache. The character development is just wonderful. The uh, setting, she does an outstanding job, and I would recommend the series. Even if you're starting with the most recent book, it will push you to go back to the very beginning, but you don't have to. So that's my recommendation. That's wonderful. I know that people love her. And I always think that she has fun book covers. (laughs) How about you, Becky? Well, I figured I should do a kid's book. And I love a humorous picture book, a book that you can read aloud and just crack up. And so one that I read recently that I really liked was called My Best Friend by Rob Hodgson. And there's a few books with that title. So you want the one by Rob Hodgson. It just came out last spring. It's a book about mouse who lives in a tree with his best friend and his best friend is giant owl and giant owl loves to chase mouse and feed him as many donuts as he wants and alert readers might be thinking what's happening here the pictures are telling a very different story than the text and i don't want to spoil it but don't worry it's not a gory ending but I know there's some people that really like dark humor, like I Want My Hat Back or Tadpole's Promise are kind of in this vein. And so if you like those, you'll probably really like this one. It's called My Best Friend. I have not read that. I will have to read that. <laughs> well, thank you both for sharing your knowledge and your time with me. And I hope everyone enjoyed part one of The Life of a Book. Get to the library. <laughs> Goodbye, and we will reconvene. Thanks, Lisa. Thank it was a, an enjoyable conversation. All right. Bye, everyone. Thanks for coming back and listening to Library Life Season 2. We'll be back another day with another episode.